well, then you hit record. <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkaluta. Don't forget to cut out the first few seconds before the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> that is a message for David. <laughs> so, future David, remember future. This. Hey, uh, hey me, hey me in the past. Do an edit. No, uh, you know what? There's this new feature. I don't know how to use it, but I got a little notification before we started oh, nice. where you could make a marker, I guess, while we're talking, but it's like don't know how to use it yet. <laughs> I, I don't see the button to do that, but okay. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, welcome back to the Mark's Madness podcast, uh, part of Chunkalucha Network. We read books. My name's David. Uh, I'm Shimani, too. And we are going to get back into Gramsci, into the reader that Prez has made for us. Um, when we do get back into it, we're on slide 118, uh, the beginning of chapter five, fascist reaction and communist strategy, 1924 to 1926. Um, before we do go into that, uh, pretty soon here, uh, Chunk Loot Network will be. Uh, I just realized you fucking shaved. Sorry. Holy fuck. I was Mario for Halloween, so I needed a mustache and then I had to take <laughs> the mustache off because my wife hates it. You gotta, you gotta send me a picture. Okay, I, okay. I I'll send you with picture. just the mustache. It'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, well, we will be on fascist reaction to communist strategy. We get back into the. And then, then did you like shave it down into the Hitler stash? No, <laughs> no, no. no I I just we're talking about fascism, so yeah, I mean, yeah, we talk about fascism. it was gonna be, yeah, it was gonna be part of the presentation, and then I realized we don't do video, so no point. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> but this is we're gonna be doing video. Well, maybe yeah. not you. I don't know what you do, but uh, I, I'll be doing video on Larry's stream. Oh, <laughs> leaping Larry's stream. Sorry, <laughs> there's probably a lot of Larrys on Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you don't know Leaping Larry, um, the Juche Gang, they did that song that's like Juche Gang, Juche Gang, Juche Gang. <laughs> it's so <laughs> dumb, so dumb. But been around the scene for a long time, and they're uh, McMahey from Nova Scotia, and uh, so they're joining the Chunkaluta, and uh, we're gonna instead of doing our own stream, we'll do our own streams eventually when I have time. Mm-hmm. I have not time, uh, but. We're going to do them on his show for a while. That way the audience can be built. And when we're not able to consistently produce news segments, because I mean, it's let's be honest. (laughs) I know this is, this is pretty sparse. And we try to hit, we try to hit our, our current events. They're just important. And just, I feel like people want an indigenous perspective on things. That's the yeah. only reason I've had David do them more often than they used to be done. And even then, it was already trending that they were becoming more often. So I was just sort of like, I like the news segments. But also, mm-hmm. I understand that we have a lot to read. Mm-hmm. We're running out of time to read it. So we mm-hmm. need to read it as quickly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the network exists. And so we're going to be doing a news show. That's terribly going to be named the new news yeah. show show, unless somebody can give us a better name before the art's made. <laughs> for the for the love of God, yeah, please. And if you're like, oh, do something indigenous, no, and like it, indigenous talks taken, 
turtle talk, whatever, whatever idea you have, it's probably taken. So I'm just, you know, we're trying. I mean, Mark's Madness. There's like five of them now. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, that clever pun. Somebody who's a mutual, they know we do this podcast, started a Mark's Madness bracket. I was like, not even going to give a shout out. Yeah. Come on now. (laughs) They were like, I forgot, to be honest. It's like glad I kept uh, your attention. I guess that is yeah, <laughs> uh, but so so that is where those things are going to be going. But we still probably want to do current events today because yeah. that's not up yeah. and going. So let's um, talk about a, a couple things. One thing um, is I wanted I wanted to, to really cite because we're talking about you know the indigenous perspective and taking direct action and what we can do. And obviously nobody needs. To, to be told that there's an ongoing genocide um, in, like in Palestine. Lines in the street are kind of good if they're really big, like in Washington, yeah. D.C. But yeah. like yeah. in your Flood hometown, the streets, that's good. But, but protest yeah. buildings and shit that are directly mm-hmm. involved, mm-hmm. you know. And I, the example we have today is fucking great. Yeah. And, and, and that example um, is the Pialop Nation <clears throat> actually got out on boats and blocked a dock canoes yeah just canoes and and they blocked a dock in tacoma to prevent shipments out because these weapons that that israel is dropping they they did only like three canoes wasn't it i was it only like three canoes i mean it was a very small group i could yeah i I knew it was small but i didn't think maybe like five that small oh wow smaller than i i would imagine would have imagined to accomplish that but that's like people need to get it out of their head that they need you know, a party of 15, 20 people, you mm-hmm. need five, 10 good comrades willing to put their lives on the line. And yeah, you should have a bail fund ready. <laughs> yes. Yes, you should. You should. You should have somebody who doesn't get arrested. There's that you, you all know, can call Cop, you know? <laughs> Cop City right now. Exactly what they warned was going to happen because Cop City, by the way, did get voted down like by 70 percent to 30 percent. I think it was the vote. Yeah, it they got were voted trying to down. stop it. And it's still going through. It still went right through. Uh, but you know that cop city right now there it's emerging that exactly the environmental consequences people worried about is happening the ponds are turning green with just disgusting waste from the construction right um and the people that were protesting that there's still 23 facing um what is it treason charges basically oh my god yeah yeah, it's it's fucking... well. I know there's like a whole Rico case too. Yeah, that's so what it like... is. Rico, that's what it is. Well, yeah, uh, I, I was like on top of Rico. <laughs> no, 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 that's no, a little no. overkill. No, I think it was, but it's like harder than normal Rico. There was something about it that that well, like had. No, I mean I Rico totally can include head, but... terrorism. Rico yeah, I think that's group. what it is. Rico including including terrorism. That's why I was um, like like. <laughs> I like it. it's one thing to be like organized crime, but it's like yeah. terrorism. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So they're peaceful protesters who got killed. I mean, like Mm -hmm. they—they've done literally nothing, and and I mean, it's like they've done literally nothing to deserve violence. So, you know, there should be maybe a rethinking of tactics, especially when you consider the fact that the IDF is going to be trained there. Yeah, you know, like this is the Zionist project. Like it's here at home, and you can you can put a stop to it. You can. It's crazy. And like, you know, supposedly there's money going around. Got to be careful because there is a RICO case going on. So anybody involved with this, 
mm-hmm. immediately like you you should have a bail fund try to have a lawyer i mean really fuck yeah don't you know? go in empty-handed have have a lawyer with their number you know what is more important to have on you than a don't cell phone have you, well yeah don't have your real phone bring a yeah burner. yeah yeah and and have a burner and burners are important don't go with no burner i i recommend having something but yeah. even if you go with no cell phone or so you know what's most important have a business card for your goddamn lawyer. That way you forget their name or their number or whatever. You've got their card. Well, and also, like, if you have stuff written, they've been using that as conspiracy charge. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, so you, yeah. you have a business card. Like, that's more reasonable to have on yeah, you. Yeah, it's than... not handwritten. And Well, and go. then, you know, forget your ID. Yeah. <laughs> forget your ID. I would have talked to my lawyer. Business who card. are you? I'm the person who wants to call this lawyer. You know, yeah. Yeah, I... like, don't tell them your name. Don't talk to them. Anything you say or do can and it will, will be, be used, used against, against you in the court of law. Yeah. So, and I mean, like, this is like, I mean, like, yes, oh, throw some paint on some fucking doors, whatever. That's kid shit. Like, yeah. um, you know, like, this is serious. You're in the big games right now, my friends. Mm-hmm. This is borderlining Vietnam levels of necessity of action. And mm-hmm. we do not have the same momentum Vietnam anti-war protests have. Nor do we have clandestine groups doing enough towards the same ends that the you know Vietnam War brought about. But like mm-hmm. we need to be like it's I mean, like it's the movement is slacking in what it needs to be able to do. Yeah. And, and the movement isn't just communists. You gotta recognize that anarchists can be used towards an end, you know. So it's nice. like this is we- the moment, anarchist. We <laughs> do we were talking thing. about it in, in Gramsci when they were too slow to you know build a coalition staring down fascism, didn't recognize um the the need in front of them, you know, recognize that a party should be revolutionary and like membership to the party, you've got to be that committed revolution revolutionary, but to, to form an alliance that doesn't have to be permanent, right? That could be strategic. Um and and now is the time to act. Um and then right back to to Tacoma um, and the the uh, Puyallup Nation and the the canoes. There were stories of people like on the boat ready to ship out the weapons. Um, like one of the guys quit, basically thanked them for for opening his eyes and quit. Like that's that's on hand accounts. Like it's it's inspiring to people to join, you know, movements and things when they see you taking action. In addition to the actual outcome of the action and how important it is. Okay. So it it's important to do these things, and that's that's why I, I wanted to bring up that specific current event very very importantly. So, um, that being said, uh, you know, Palestine's very um important, and I guess uh, you know I don't want to spend too much time going into the gruesomeness happening. Yeah, we're 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 in, um, you know, a, a time where it's important to debunk lies and to make sure people understand the gravity of the situation. But there's not a need to detail the day to day barbarity to understand. Like the only the thing I'd say today is, you know, uh, like I guess 16 hours now from recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out a statement saying that all life-saving capabilities at hospitals in Gaza have pretty much been exhausted. And so unless there's aid, 
there is no more life-saving happening at hospitals. Mm. Um, you know, uh, kids, babies were already written off. There's a list of never, I mean, they got their death certificates before birth certificates, mm. you know. And now Israel has parked tanks outside one of the hospitals and are waiting for people to try to leave. Yeah. I mean, they get more bombs from fucking the U.S. They've they've been killing, fleeing people the entire time. I mean, we've been talking about the the bombing of of the people evacuating and things like that. That's not it. That's not changed. That's not going to change. Israel wants to do that. Israel wants to eliminate Palestinians and they're fine dumping them in the Sinai. But then they need to be weak enough to do that. And so they prefer them dead. Um, You know, and and life in, in Palestine is gruesome. I mean, you have. You're losing loved ones constantly. There is no health care. There is no food. There is no water. People are, are sleeping together so that if someone in the family dies, they all die. So you're not left with the trauma of losing another loved one. There's dust everywhere. Like constantly people don't talk about like things. We talk about like environmental racism and things, you know, things people don't talk about or realize unless they're there um, or unless they've listened to people who are there. People don't realize in war debris is just fucking everywhere and in this bombing this constant bombing it's just constant dust so amongst constant noise constant mourning constant fleeing for your life starving no water there's just fucking dust getting in your wounds and your eyes and your lungs fucking everywhere there you know and i i don't as long as people understand that gravity and take action that's what's important and like don't don't count them out you know they're still standing. Yeah. Every, like I, I saw a video of this man in a bodega selling to his customers while bombs were dropping around him as if nothing was going on. Yeah. You know, and like it, I mean, it is. It, and it, it's not just in Gaza. It's well, in the West Bank, too. Because people you know? people still have to live their lives. You know, that's that's stories you hear all the time in, in warfare is it's weird because if you're not. You know, on the battle, or sometimes when you're close to the battlefront, you're still going around your everyday life because what else are you going to do? You're just kind of aware of the situation and then it could just kill you anytime. And in this kind of situation, that's scaled up to a thousand. So people are more desperate and disorganized, but they've got to get by every day all the more to make sure they have food and they have water and they contact the people they can, you know? So it's, it's, it's tough out there and it's, I don't know. I might get a little emotional if we talk about it more. If we're not in providing any more information, we nah, might. Yeah, this that, is where we want to get into the books. This more. is where we're going to switch over to the books. Exactly. You know, fascism is here. The U.S. is what props up Israel. Israel is just an extension of the American government, pretty much. Like they're they're completely armed by them. The U.S. president, uh, press secretary, said uh, any calls for a ceasefire are repugnant. That's yep. their opinion. Yep. And we've seen Trudeau trip around the word ceasefire recently. We've, I hope, all seen the old clips of Biden when he was in Congress back when he was writing the crime bill. And oh, I mean, on his plane back from Israel, like yeah. they were like, hey, uh, are they, are they keeping to your agreement? Cause it seems like they, they've pretty much immediately gone back to massacring Palestinians. What did you agree on? Yeah. So, good talking to you and left. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he, he doesn't even. He, he, he doesn't. He, what he? I mean, again, he's the one that that forty years ago was standing in Congress, going, "If Israel did not exist, the U.S. would have to invent an Israel," and that's very true. You know, the only reason the U.S. didn't invent Israel is because Great Britain did for their diamond mines. Literally, well, you know? and, he, and even then, it was more of an excuse to get yeah. rid of jewish people yeah yeah get get jewish people out of europe um again a, secure their diamond nines and apartheid because and i've detailed this on the show before tel aviv and johannesburg are the two diamond capitals of the world the great britain established apartheid around johannesburg and that worked very well for them they had a kind of a free-for-all market starting in 1938 for diamonds in tel aviv it basically collapsed within those 10 years and as it was starting to collapse of course was the end of world war ii where they could and Winston Churchill was very openly anti-Semitic and loved that the Nazis were anti-Semitic, so they could expul, you know, send the Jews out of. Um, I can't think of the word expulsion as an action, but but kick the Jews out of Europe, or basically push them out of, not kick them out, but you know, encourage them out of Europe. Um, and and pushed and kicked are the same thing, my friend. I know, I know, but you know, what I, mean? I mean, like push, get get them to go somewhere else, right? Get them out. Um, so, you know, he was happy with with that level of ethnic cleansing um, and and um, he was very happy to, to, like, claim they did something about the Nazis, but not have to challenge his ideology. He was happy to get a colonial outpost. And all of a sudden he had the apartheid tool, you know, for for the diamond mines again. And that's what got established. And because it's its own thing and it became way more powerful because it's way more useful than South Africa. Because it's not just about the diamond mines; it's an outpost uh, in West Asia, and and for you know oil control and and regional control and and all kinds of trade ports and and things like that. It's way more useful. It immediately became way more powerful, um, and and that's kind of the story behind it. And now it it basically exists because the U.S. allows it to exist. But it's also of all the U.S. puppets, the most independently powerful at the same time. Well, and I mean like. I don't know if independently powerful is necessary. Like it's like a it's a bank account for the world. You yeah. know, it's one yeah. of their places where they invest a bunch of money into so that way they can cast their hands of, you know, uh the maintenance of the oil policy of the West and the Middle mm -hmm. East, basically, you know, and be like, oh no, look at that. They're they're just conveniently giving us the technology at a good rate, you know, yeah. like it's that's neocolonialism, okay? And that's a that's a settler colony. That's not even a neo-colony. That's, you know? Yeah, it's not that neo. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty old, not gonna yeah. lie. Yeah. Um, and it, it, like I don't know. It like it, nothing became more obvious than when uh South African settlers were like, I'm gonna move there. Seems <laughs> yes, seems like the good old days. <laughs> little little bit on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so anyway, well, let's get on to the reading. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're on slide 118 as a reminder. Uh, and uh, do you want to read or should yeah, I? Yeah, I can go ahead and read. Um, introduction. These writings date from the period of Gramsci's leadership of the PCDI, August 24th, 1924 to November 1926. Uh, I, I don't know. I said August 24th, 1924. I read 1924 and I added a date. August of 1924 to November. Oh, this is a year after Indians got citizenship. Mm. Quality. Quality. 
uh, and deal principally with three subjects, fascism, developments in the Soviet Union, and prospects for revolution in Italy. In the summer of 1924, the fascist movement was rocked by its first serious crisis since coming to power. See the crisis of the middle class and the elements oh of the situation. Oh my God, 1924 is when it's signed into law. The, the Indian Citizenship Act. So it's not even a year after. It's like the same, the same year. year. Yeah, same year. And it's the year of the failed coup d'etat by the Nazi party. Oh. Where Adolf gets sentenced crazy time where he goes to patty cake jail before all i'm saying is it kind of explains fascist reaction in this moment because if you're paying attention mm -hmm. to global news you have a failed coup d'etat in germany the other fascist capital the united states you know you have coolidge uh giving rights to those savages you know like yeah, yeah. this makes a lot of sense yeah yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Gramsci focused on both the immediate political crisis precipitated by the murder of the socialist parliamentary deputy uh, Giancomo Mat Mattiotti um, in June and on what he saw as a breakdown in the class alliance between the capitalists and the petty bourgeoisie, the middle classes referred to in the first piece of this section. Um. Whereas in 1921 to 22, the middle classes had formed the mass base of the fascist movement by making an alliance with the capitalists against the working class. They were now being economically squeezed by fascism. This Gramsci believed would propel them towards an alliance with the proletariat. Uh, the Mattiotti murder generated a wave of popular protests and led to the formation by other parliamentary parties, liberals, Republicans, Catholics, and socialists of an opposition known as the Aventine. The PCDI initially joined the opposition committee, but withdrew when the other parties refused to back its demand for a general strike. I think this is what Gramsci talked about as the mistakes. Or no, we're going forward in time. So maybe this is a little different than the, as the mistakes with the alliances with the fascists rising. Um, although well, some I members... Mean, no, those led up to this. Okay. So yes. like like when you're like looking at the Pat Soches right now, you can already mm -hmm. see like, you know, the Eastern Orthodoxy thing they're doing in the Muslim, you know, um, alliances they're already trying to make. And then, you're, uh, you know, they had their mecha tanky thing or whatever. Yeah, you know, that's an alliance, the petty bourgeoisie with the capitalists, you know, yeah. and it propels them into an alliance with yeah. the proletariat by, a, you know, creating this appearance of i mean it is grassroots but it's astroturfed or um i like to call it frankenstein together you know it's organically inorganic yeah it's like a, you know if you set up uh this fucking tree that you've uh it's like grafted together you know that's what i want to say no i i think i actually think organically inorganic kind of describes it well i just hate how much it sounds like a bushism so <laughs> listen <laughs> my first political influence is technically george bush if we you know it was count it well it's fucking will farrell making fun of george bush <laughs> that was like the first political media i really consumed what oh, is it uh, the hbo special one last night with george w bush it's a good one. That's a good one. I did not see that one. Oh my god! Yeah. Take last time was kicking and screaming. 
listen, I watched a lot of Will Ferrell, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm catching that. <laughs> My dad's obsessed with him. I don't know. <laughs> Although some members of the party's right wing favored a collaboration with the Aventine, the majority, including Gramsci, did not because they considered the Aventine's opposition feebly legalitarian constrained within the limits of bourgeois democracy and because they believed that after a phase of democratic transition, the situation would turn to the advantage of the working class and be ripe for socialist revolution. With hindsight, it's easy to see that Gramsci's reading of the situation in 1924 overestimated the crisis of fascism and underestimated the depth of its political and ideological resources. One can also see that the attitude towards the egalitarian opposition was too sectarian under circumstances, given that by the end of 1926, the fascists had installed a dictatorship and outlawed opposition parties. Nonetheless, he was quite correct in characterizing the immediate prospect left of the democratic. Are we sure we didn't read this? I'm on the wrong slide. We start on slide 120. The crisis of the middle class. I trusted you. I failed us. I have you, failed us. I have, do, for, how do we do this marker? I don't know. I don't know. I'll uh, hear it listening. It's fine. Yeah, okay. Please, so we just please cut out. Like the last three minutes, this is where minutes. we're starting. Okay. Yes. Okay. We're gonna go. Through. Okay. So we're gonna get to the reading. It's page. It's page one twenty. Correction from earlier. One twenty. It is the crisis. We in actually the middle class. did edit it out this time, and you'll never know. Please don't make this a lie, David. It's too much of a bit now. <laughs> the crisis of the middle class. Why has the crisis of the middle classes had more radical consequences in Italy than in other countries? Why has it created fascism and carried it to the state to state power? No, to the state power. That was a weird sentence with a the. Uh, because in our country, given the scanty development of industry and the regional character of what industry there is, not only is the petty bourgeois very numerous, but it also is also the only class that is territorially national. The capitalist crisis in the years following war, the war had also taken acute form of a collapse in the unitary state and thus encouraging the rebirth of a confusedly patriotic ideology so that there was no other solution than the fascist one. Once working, the working class had in 1920 failed its task of creating by its own means a state capable of also satisfying the unitary national needs of Italian society. The fascist regime is dying because it has not merely failed to halt, but has actually helped to accelerate the crisis of the middle classes initiated after the war. The economic aspect of this consists in the ruin of small and medium firms. The number of bankruptcies has multiplied rapidly in the last two years. The monopoly of credit, the fiscal regime and legislation on rents have crushed the small commercial and industrial enterprise. A real transfer of wealth has taken place from the small and medium to the big bourgeoisie without any development of the productive apparatus. The small producer has not even become proletarian. He is simply permanently hungry, a desperate man without prospects for the future. The Italian economic crisis can only be resolved by the proletariat. Only by participating in a European and world revolution can the Italian people regain the ability to utilize fully its human productive forces and to restore development to the national productive apparatus. Fascism has nearly delayed the proletarian revolution. It has not made it impossible. 
Indeed, it has helped to enlarge and enrich the terrain of the proletarian revolution, which after the fascist experiment will be a truly popular one. There is a little bit of inevitability coming through from Gramsci here that is, uh, I wonder if we're going to get a criticism of it later. Um, because it's it's good, and it's not like the words are wrong, but the, th this is something um, like Cabral criticized. Was it Cabral or was it Rodney that criticized uh, Fanon for being overly prescriptive? of the inevitability of revolution like like you there there's no spontaneity to it per cabral right sure um and and I, i'm feeling like there's a little bit of a, a, a assumption of spontaneity to gramsci here that reminds me of when we were reading fanon um and what does the crisis of fascism consist to understand it some say it it is first necessary to define the essence of fascism but the truth is that there does not exist any essence of fascism as such. The essence of fascism in 1922 to 23 was provided by a particular system of relations of force that existed in Italian society. Today, this system has changed profoundly and the essence has evaporated to some extent. The characteristics feature of fascism consists in the fact that it succeeded in creating a mass organization of the petty bourgeoisie. It is the first time in history that this has happened. The originality of fascism consists in having found the right form of organization for a social class, which has always been incapable of having any cohesion or unitary ideology. This form of organization is the army in the field. The militia is thus the fulcrum of the National Fascist Party. One cannot dissolve the militia without also dissolving the party as a whole. There does not exist a fascist party that can turn quantity into quality. That is an apparatus for political selection of a class or a stratum. There only exists a mechanical aggregate, undifferentiated and impossible to differentiate from the point of view of intellectual and political capabilities, which is why, which only lives because it has acquired the civil war in the civil war, an extremely strong espere de corps. Um, I guess that's like spirit of an army um, crudely identified with the national ideology. Outside the sphere of military organization, fascism has not contributed and cannot contribute anything. And even in this sphere, what can contribute is very relative. And this fits very truly with, you know, what we know um, with fascism today, I guess, comparative of, of other liberalism, right? Um, there is a bunch of leaning on the military, push for expanding the military, growth of the military, police go along with that, of course, and, and, and backing of, of cops. Um, and it largely comes from not only what people call the middle class and misidentifying class with with wealth, but very truly the middle class discussed here as as the petty bourgeoisie and also, you know, to some extent, the management class. And, of course, uh, the uh, armed guard of the bourgeoisie themselves, the, the, the cops and military. Right. And that's where fascism occurs. That's, you know, fascism comes from the suburbs type of thing. Right. It's not that where people live or, or exactly their level of wealth predetermines that it's that that level of wealth also ties to a certain class that is a hotbed for, for fascism. Um, the product and circumstances in this way, fascism is not capable of realizing any of its ideological premises. Fascism today says that it aims to conquer the state at the same time. It says that it aims to become a, prevalently rural phenomenon. 
How the two assertions can be reconciled is hard to understand. To conquer the state, it is necessary to be capable of replacing the dominant class in those functions which have essential importance for the government of society. In Italy, as in all capitalist countries, to con conquer the state first means, uh, means first and foremost to conquer the factory. It means to have the capability of taking over from the capitalists and governing the country's productive forces. This can be done by the working class. It cannot be done by the petty bourgeoisie, which has no essential function in the productive field, which in the factory, as an industrial category, exercises a function that is mainly of a police nature, not a productive one. The petty bourgeoisie can conquer the state only by allying itself with the working class, only by accepting the program of the working class. Soviet system instead of parliament in the state and organization, communism and not capitalism in the organization of the national and international economy. What should the political attitude of the tactics of our party in the present, in what should be the political attitude of and the tactic, tactics of our party in the present situation? The situation is democratic because the broad working masses are disorganized, dispersed and fragmented into the undifferentiated people. Hence, whatever the immediate evolution of the crisis may be, we can only foresee an improvement in the political position of the working class, not a victorious struggle for power. The crucial task of our party consists in winning the majority of the working class. The phase which we are passing through is not that of a direct struggle for power, but rather a preparatory phase, a transition of the struggle for power. In short, a phase of agitation, propaganda, and organization. This, of course, does not rule out the possibility that savage conflicts may take place. And it does not mean that our party must not at once prepare itself to be ready to confront these. Quite the contrary. These conflicts must, too, be seen uh, in the context of the transitional phase as elements of propaganda and agitation for winning the majority. There exists within our party a fanatical, fanatical groups and tendencies which want to force a situation. It will be necessary to struggle against these in the name of the entire party in the name of the vital and permanent interests of the Italian proletarian revolution. The Matteotti, Matteotti, we're going to go with that, crisis has offered us many lessons in this respect. It has taught us that the masses, after three years of terror and oppression, have become very prudent and want to cut their coat according to their cloth. Right, is this another capital <laughs> callback? Um, this prudence is called reformism. It is called maximalism. It is called the opposition block. It is destined to disappear, certainly, and in not, the not-too-distant future. But for the moment it exists, can only be overcome at all, if at all times, on every occasion, at every moment. Although moving forward, we maintain contact with the working class as a whole. Thus, we must combat every rightist tendency which seeks a compromise with the opposition block and which seeks to obstruct the revolutionary movement of our tactics and our work for, of preparation for the next stage. I would like to really, really repeat that last sentence. Thus, we must combat every rightist tendency which seeks to compromise with the opposition block and which seeks to obstruct the revolutionary development of our tactics and our work of preparation for the next stage. The Patso shoes are directly this. <laughs> they are directly this. Spot when you look at team. what the struggle needs, it is an anti-colonial lens focused on the actual national liberation of people whose land it is. Not the settlers. The settlers 
can gain land by supporting indigenous people. That's the only way you can actually legitimately gain land here. Any other way will bring about opposition that you will have to end through full-on genocide, which is the only way we will stop fighting for our land. You will become Israel. The kibbutz, that's what you would basically make as a country of kibbutz. You know, fascists can win over the working class if they adopt certain economic things. This, yeah, yeah, the... and that's how it works. And again, you know, this this goes back to the, the what we talked about earlier. You know, you can't revolution is not spontaneous. The moments are unpredictable. Some actions, some of the sparks are spontaneous, but revolutionary itself, revolution itself, is organized. It's built. Okay, it takes action. And it takes organized action with a goal in mind and with tactics on the way to that goal. Uh, the first task of our party consists in equipping itself to become fitted for its historic mission. In every factory and every village, there must exist a communist cell, which represents the party and the international, which knows how to work politically, which shows initiative. Hence, it is necessary to struggle against a certain passivity which still exists amongst our comrades and against the tendency to keep the ranks of the party narrow. On the contrary, we must become a great party. We must seek to draw to our, into our organization the greatest possible number of revolutionary workers and peasants in order to educate them for struggle, form them into mass organizers and leaders, and raise their political level. The workers and peasants state can only be built if the revolution has many politically qualified elements in, at its disposal. The struggle for the revolution can be waged victoriously only if the broad masses are, in all their local formations, organized and led by solid and capable comrades. Otherwise, we are really going back, as the reactionaries clamor, to the years of 1919 to 1920. In other words, to the years of proletarian impotence to the years of maximalist demagogy, to the years of working-class defeat. We communists do not want to go back to the years of 1919 to 1920 either. The party must carry out an enormous amount of work in the trade union field. Without big trade union organizations, there is no way out of parliamentary democracy. The Communist Party represents the totality of the interests and aspirations of the working class. Again, the Communist Party represents the totality of interests, of aspirations of the working class. We are not a mere parliamentary party. Our party, therefore, carries on a genuine trade union activity. It puts itself at the head of the masses, also in the little daily struggles for wages, for working hours, for industrial discipline, for accommodation, for bread. Our cells must push the internal commissions to incorporate all proletarian activities within their operations. It is therefore necessary to create a broad factory movement that can develop until it gives birth to an organization of citywide proletarian committees elected directly by the masses. These committees in the social crisis that is looming can become the strongholds of the general interests of the entire working people. The real activity in the factories and the villages will revive the trade union and give it back some contact and effectiveness. If in parallel, all the vanguard elements go back into the organization for the struggle against the present reformist and maximalist leaders. Whoever keeps his distance from the trade unions today is an ally of the reformists, 
not a revolutionary militant. He will be able to produce anarchoid phrases, but he will not shift a hair's breadth the iron conditions in which the real struggle is going on. The extent to which the party as a whole, in other words, the entire mass of members, succeeds in fulfilling its essential task of winning the majority of workers and transforming in a molecular fashion the basis of the democratic state, will also be the extent to which we shall advance along the path of revolution and will permit us to pass on to a subsequent phase of development. The whole party in all its bodies, but especially through its press, must work in a united way to secure a maximum benefit from each comrade's work. Today we are forming up to the general struggle against the fascist regime. We reply to the stupid campaigns of the opposition press by showing our real determination to overthrow not merely the fascism of Mussolini and Farinacci, too many Italian names I cannot pronounce, but also the semi-fascism of Amendola, Sturzo, and Turati. To achieve this, it is necessary to reorganize the broad masses and become a great party, the only party in which the working population sees the expression of its political will, the citadel of its immediate and permanent historical interests. And you notice as well, too, he's talking about the need to expand and become a greater party, but he also talked about earlier not being lazily big tent and accepting in ideologies that are detrimental to your cause. The party must be a vanguard. The only way you square that circle is if you are radicalizing people, you are inspiring the masses, you are driving people to revolution. Ba, ba, ba. Oh, wait, <laughs> we have it. <laughs> I don't know. That. Boop, boop, boop. Sad. That, that that was more fun when you did it. I need to get Nathan <laughs> to do the Amen voice. <laughs> that that's a necessity. Yeah, that's right. We keep forgetting to do that. We need to do that. It's <laughs> good. Um. Anyway, so continuing forward. Um. Sorry. Uh. The Italian situation and the tasks of the Communist Party of uh, Italy. Leon's thesis, Leon Lyon's thesis. I don't know. Analysis of the Italian social structure. Capitalism is the predominant element in Italian society and the force which is decisive in determining its development. This fundamental fact means that there is no possibility of a revolution in Italy that is not the socialist revolution. In the capitalist countries, the only class which can accomplish a real deep social transformation, the working class. Oh, is the work is the working class, not in yeah. the working class. <laughs> I was like, uh, this ends. <laughs> this is a bad sentence. <laughs> Only the working class is capable of translating into action the changes of an economic and political character, which is which are necessary. If the energies of our country are to have complete freedom and possibility to develop, the way in which it will accomplish this revolutionary function is related to the degree of development of capitalism in Italy and to the social structure which corresponds to it. Five. And does, so first off, if you want to hear yeah. all of this, there's three points we just don't even get to hear. So I'm really yeah. sorry. Yeah, it, it jumped to four. It had give us a nice just, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it starts off uh, what is it called? Ecli Ecli Ellipse. Ellipse. I was gonna say. Yeah, it ellipsed us right to four. 
We got a dot for each section that was skipped. Did you? Did you? Oh, that's dumb. But <laughs> did you hear me? I said I was going to say Ecclesiastes. That was really, oh god, that was a really dumb joke. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, industrialism, which is the essential part of capitalism, is very weak in Italy. Its possibilities for development are limited, both because of the geographical situation, because of the lack of raw materials, and therefore it does not succeed in absorbing the majority of the Italian population. Four million industrial workers exist side by side with three and a half million agricultural workers and four million peasants. What is okay? Sorry, I would have just <laughs> assumed peasants were the agriculture. So, yeah, like, um, I, I think agricultural workers would be a class of workers that are maybe tied to wages rather than the rather, land yeah, that's right. still grow agriculture. Yeah, to industrialism. There is counterposed an agriculture which naturally presents itself as the basis of the country's economy. The extremely varied conditions of the terrain and the resulting differences in cultivation and in systems of tenancy, however, cause a high degree of differentiation among the rural strata. I guess this is the confusion we were just talking about. Uh, with a prevalence of poor strata nearer to the conditions of the proletariat and more liable to be influenced by it and accept its leadership between the industrial and agrarian agrarian ag aggregarian like that way yeah, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket anytime i'm hungry you need somebody to do some aggregarian work i need something to cook <laughs> there's there lies a fairly extensive urban petty bourgeoisie which is of great which is of very great significance consists mainly of artisans professionals and state employees the intrinsic weakness of capitalism. Oh, this is point six. The intrinsic weakness. Wait, sorry, I feel like I feel like that should have had like three more paragraphs. I really want more. I'm not <laughs> satisfied with, with that. Thank you. You're I'm too like, good. give us more. Okay. Tell me, tell me more. I need more answers, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm vibing. That's you right. know, <laughs> and then. Okay, so six, the intrinsic weakness of capitalism compels the industrial class to adopt expedience. Expedience? Yeah. Expedience? Anyway, <laughs> I think that's just being pedantic. No, it's, it's so expedience like CE would, would be a word, and expedience like this is a more than one, a plural of a noun, expedient. I've never seen before, but that's what we're saying, and they sound the same. So, for yeah, avoid confusion, more than one expedient is what we're English talking about. English is a bad language. It's a horrible language. It's the fucking worst. <laughs> uh, sorry, I got to find expedients now, and I'm looking for a CE. Uh, not how it's, it ends. it's not it how it ends. It's, it's okay. in section six. <laughs> These expedients are basically nothing more than a system of economic compromises between a part of the industrialists and part of the agricultural classes, specifically the big landowners. One does not, therefore, find here the traditional economic struggle between industrialists and landowners, nor the rotation of ruling groups, which this produces in other countries. The industrialists, in any case, do not need to defend against the landowners and do not need to defend against the landowners an economic policy ensuring a continuous flow of labor from the countryside into the factories since this flow is guaranteed by the abundant poor rural population which is characteristic of italy the reserve pool of labor mm. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> again 
That's exactly why they they want to when they're talking about things like raising interest rates to combat inflation. What they mean is make people unemployed. That's what they mean. <laughs> Literally, though, I mean <laughs> that's all they mean. Um, and and when you're unemployed, you're poor, and when you're poor, it lays the the conditions um, for fascism, right? Because there's so you much desperate petty bourgeoisie person of their house. Yeah, yeah. They're well, gonna turn fascist. I mean, like they're gonna either become communists or they're gonna become fascist. And uh, well, also like the fascists the, are out organizing the out. small business owner type. You know, petty bourgeois um, are struggling harder to to not fall into the proletariat because uh, you know things are are not economically great. And at the same time, they have less of a conflict with the, the big industrials because the reserve pool of labor is so big that I even can pluck to it and they can just unify in crushing down workers. And, and that's what is being described here. And, and it's being described in this case, specific to the conditions of Italy and it being an agrarian um, versus industrial situation, whereas in, in other places, you know, there are different conditions that that can cause it. Um, but basically, when you when you expand unemployment, according to this, you're you're opening up fascism, right? Because things are are easier to exploit you, and so those internal conflicts of the bourgeoisie become less pronounced, and and they're all riding that gravy train. I like that's how that ended with is with the words gravy train. Yeah, Sorry, it was it was like man, this David like I was just thinking in my head, man, David's been like a teacher to me over the last few years. <laughs> gravy train, I'm like, <laughs> I respect that person right there. He said gravy train. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like these are such smart words, you know. I'm like sometimes it's really hard to keep up. I'm gonna have to re-listen to this season for sure. I have. Uh, <laughs> I love. I, I love that when we. When we get into stuff that that's educational, I always have a, a tone shift, and, and I'm usually really good about that. And yet, when I'm just being like shooting the breeze, uh, dumbass, I have weird expressions. I have a coworker gives me trouble because every time I eat something that tastes really good, I inadvertently just say just an expression. I'm like, "This is good as shit." And he's like, "Why would you want food that tastes like shit?" Yeah, no, I say that same thing. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I love you know. It's just weird because it's like sometimes I get into. I'm listening to a podcast, and then it's like I'm I'm hello. I'm the I I host this now. Yes, <laughs> you're the one reading. <laughs> so, um, the industrial agrarian agreement. Sorry, that is the worst industrial agrarian agreement. Say that seven times fast. Damn. Um, is based on a solidarity of interest between certain privileged groups at the expense of the general interests of production and of the majority of those who work. It produces an accumulation of wealth in the hands of the big industrialists, which is the result of a systemic plundering of a whole categories of the population and the whole regions of the country. And in the case of the U.S., the fucking world. And they're fucking like, let's go to the moon. NASA wants to build houses on the moon. You see that shit? Anyway. I, I have not seen that. But it, just a reminder, by the way, anyone who talks about going off to some other planet or, or, or you know, moon or anything to colonize, you're going to somewhere. You're talking about going to somewhere with no natural resources and a totally unstable climate for human survival. And you're wanting to use a bunch of resources 
to do that for a small amount Here's of the, the wealthy population. Lot. It just tells you that that like we should be staying here and fixing the earth. Well, the flaw in the logic is the assumption is colonialism was that. They went to this harsh environment and it was so hard for people to live. And it's like, no, it, no, it wasn't. No, we, no. We developed a herd that went around the country 60 million strong and you just ate from it all year all year <laughs> like everybody from new york to california ate buffalo you know like that's a big ass animal you don't yeah. need to hunt a lot of them that's like I would, okay, so one of the stupidest fucking things people ever say is they ran buffaloes off the side of cliffs in order to kill them, and uh, that's why there was all those big piles of skulls. And it's like, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh, in uh, the uh, 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 Natural History Museum, uh, the one from Night at the Museum, they have an entire fucking old ass thing about my tribe it's all wrong all of it i filmed it i'm gonna uh, fucking it's all fucking stupid and like i would like as i'm walking through them hearing all these moms going oh the sundance is about the annual buffalo hunt. annual what the fuck you hunted a <laughs> buffalo when you needed one you know they were around don't worry we only developed our entire you know socio-political structure around following them yeah we're called the buffalo people what the fuck you know, <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> I love this idea of realism that like there just weren't a lot of Buffalo apparently because there aren't a lot now. And so that's just how it is. Right. No, like, it's like, no, this is just genocide denial. And like, like when you think about it, all of that's stolen, all of that's stolen within the last 150 years, like mm -hmm. every single outfit in there was a murder victims fucking shit or yeah. somebody who got ripped the fuck off. Yep. You know, either way. It is a terrible form of extraction. Yeah. <laughs> One's a little worse than the other. But you know. <laughs> the other one requires a prison camp to be set up and the millions and millions of people to have died before yeah. to ensure subjugation. You know, like, uh, I don't know. I talk about this a lot with the Gildersleeves at Wounded Knee 73, and I'll fucking go off for an hour if we talk too much about it. But they would, you know, it, it's just this common practice to, like, take give like five ten twenty dollars for you know craft like a if you'd use quills porcupine quills in your beating that's worth like hundreds of dollars on the powwow circuit and was back then you know to like collectors it was worth hundreds of dollars and just rich people rich people love indian shit you know and so fucking uh these people would take five ten twenty dollars and then sell it for hundreds hundreds of dollars literally there's this headdress that um uh, my uncle bill was talking about and it's like you know nowadays you, you're paying thousands for that from an indian it's like indian to indian you that's what you would pay you're not cutting deals you know because it's, it's a lot of labor that, that's who knows how many porcupines worth of quills you know like how like maybe it was roadkill maybe you know they shot them at you know who knows how those quills were correct collected, but it, you know it's very fucking um, <laughs> labor intensive. You know, not to mention you ever get hit by a porcupine? That uh, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, <laughs> that little tangent aside, where was I? <laughs> we, were, we were on the results of the economic policy. 
We're we're in in section six. Oh, there, okay. The result. Sorry, I was looking for the end of a sentence, and you gave me the beginning of one. So <laughs> thanks for starting me. But the results of this economic policy have, in fact, been to create a deficit in the economic budget, to halt economic development in entire regions, the South and islands, to halt economic. Oh wait, <laughs> let me repeat that. <laughs> no, uh, to block the emergence and development of an economy better fitted to the structures and resources of the country, growing poverty of the working population, and the existence of a continuous stream of immigration with the resulting demographic, demographic impoverishment. And we've talked about the, the you know, impoverishment. We talked about Gramsci being our Sardinian. We've talked about the impoverishment of the entire South. Oh, this plays um, so much out, like colonialism. It really does. Yeah. I can see so much. Like Rodney. Like you can see why Rodney used Gramsci so heavily. <laughs> I mean, like Stuart Hall and Rodney were friends. Well, not really friends, but they knew each other. <laughs> Contemporaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contemporaries. That's the word. Yes. Yeah, kind of. I mean, people are, are well aware of like the you know relationship of uh, Rosa and Lenin as as contemporaries that you know had their own struggles in their own countries and their own disagreements, but they respect each other and were both revolutionaries. Stuart Hall, Rodney, they've both got that, you know. So, uh, uh, benefited in the research can grow in poverty. Oh, we're on we're on point seven. Yeah, we're on point seven, and we're probably gonna be able to make it through to point to yeah. point nine. Yep. So. Yeah, figure end it. And... Yep. So, just as it does not naturally control the entire economy, so too the industrial class does not succeed in organizing single-handed the whole of society and the state. For those who are like baristas, aren't real proletarian. Shut the fuck up. Uh, just shut up. The construction of a national state is only made possible for it by the exploitation of factors of international politics, so-called. Uh, that's the fucking Italy coming together. Okay, I don't fucking know how to say yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> the formation of the Italian state. Yeah, its reinforcement and defense necessitates a compromise with the classes upon which industry exercises a limited hegemony. Hegemony, whatever. Uh, in particular, the landowners and petty bourgeoisie. Thence? Yeah, just thence. Then. Thens, thens. I hate that word. Is that like hence? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like hence. It's like the and and thus kind of together. Then and thus kind of yeah. Then <sighs> so angry <laughs> derives a heterogeneity, geneity, gen heterogeneity, heterogeneity. Yes. There we go. Things, we can... things are heterogeneous. They're not homogeneous. They're 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 differentiated within the group. Okay. Heterogeneity and weakness of the entire social structure and of state, which is it, which it is its expression. And then it dot dot dots us, you motherfucker! <laughs> Every <laughs> I gotta go find these essays. And everyone out there, uh, feel blessed that that we have not uh, uh, gotten this on on video because Shugmanitu just had to watch me do a weird finger thing with heterogeneity because I have no idea what yeah. my head is doing there. <laughs> it helped me, okay? <laughs> it worked. 
hey, look, we're just in channeling the Italians. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> in Italy, the relations between industry and agriculture, which are essential for the economic life of a country and for the determination of its political superstructures, have a territorial basis. Damn. So, <laughs> uh, in the north, agriculture production and the rural population are concentrated in a few big centers. As a result of this, all the conflicts inherent in the country's social structure contain within them an element which affects the unity of the state and puts it in danger. Yeah, puts it in danger. The solution of the problem is sought by the bourgeois and agrarian ruling groups through a compromise. None of these groups naturally possess a unitary character or a unitary function. The compromise whereby unity is preserved is, moreover, such as to make the situation more serious. Wait, the compromise whereby unity is preserved is, moreover, such as to make situation... What? I, I don't know what that sentence that seems like a sentence that says nothing, right? The compromise. <laughs> it makes me think of office space when they're looking at money laundering. It's like to to, <laughs> to put things through an intermediary. And he doesn't know what the fuck. Like that's how that sentence. Intermediary. Felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally how I feel right now, though. Uh, it gets <laughs> office space. We're here to help people with the reading comprehension, the understanding of the book, and we're like, that sentence. We're like, I'm like, yeah. look, I need a literacy class. We don't. We don't okay. need that. That is not the sentence that all of Gramsci's theory pivots on. We'll be okay. So it gives the toiling masses of the South a position analogous, analogous. I don't know how to pronounce it. Analogous, analogous. I, I don't know. As an analogy <laughs> or like an analogy. Which I'm just second guessing everything I say now, you know. I think that's what it is. Any word that's kind that, of hard. You said that, that one's fine, and I don't even know the real right way to say it. I've heard it both is ways. Is that correct? No. <laughs> yeah. Is it full, fulfill, fulfills? <laughs> so, <laughs> look, we all can be bad at reading. That of a colonial population. Wait, position. Oh, 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 to that of a colonial. Motherfucker, shut up and let the book read. <laughs> yeah, wow, I really see colonialism in the South. He's like, yeah, no fucking shit, I'm getting there. <laughs> I love shut up and let the book read. It's my favorite part of this podcast. <laughs> it really is. We need to get that soundbite too from Nathan. So the big industry of the North fulfills to be like, hey, it's just Nathan cutting in here. Shut up and let the book read. You know, that's how it should play. <laughs> that's what it's just, it's, we need. That. <laughs> so um, wait, where were we? Uh, the solution of the problem is sought by the bourgeois and the agrarian ruling groups through a compromise. None of these, wait, did I? You already read that. You're, you're on the big industry of the North fulfills. Okay. Sentence more. The big industry of the North fulfills towards them the function of the capitalist metropolis. Big landowners, even the middle bourgeoisie of the South, for their part, take on the role of those categories in the colonies, which ally themselves to the metropolis in order to keep the mass of working people subjugated. Economic exploitation, political oppression thus unite to make the working people of the South a force continuously mobilized against the state. Man, what? What did they cut out at the end of seven that I leads into this? You know, like, pfft, whatever. The proletariat, <laughs> point nine, 
The proletariat has greater importance in Italy than in other European countries, even of a more advanced capitalist nature. It is comparable only to what that which existed in Russia before the revolution. This is above all related to the fact, I would disagree. I don't think any of them really realize the material conditions of the United States. A lot of this sounds like reservations versus the greater U.S. Yeah, and I, I think that makes well, sense. Well, and it may be like... Europeans, even the Europeans that respect indigenous struggle quite really understood the depths and the details and the parallels of struggle of the United States in, in the early 20th century. So that, that makes sense. You know? Well, and maybe, you know, he recognizes that the U S is colonial. I don't know, but I don't know. Weird. Cause I mean like this world war two is really when the U S is just becoming the world superpower it is. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of both the world wars together that launched the U S as the world superpower because Europe essentially wrecked itself twice yeah. and the U S was the biggest, well, the, the league of nations was nothing without the league of nations yeah. was nothing. And the biggest, the U S was the biggest, um, um, the colonial outpost. And it was one that had reproduced colonialism out of itself and was already competing as a power, but it was like very secondary. And then when it just happened to not get wrecked and get involved in these wars and make a bunch of like, economic gains as as a weapon manufacturer it shot to the top and there was no competition left for it after world war ii the u.s when did it ever stop going into wars oh yeah no i mean a absolutely you well, know i don't like spanish america i guess the russo japanese that we stayed out of and played peace <laughs> broker i don't know like there's not a lot of <laughs> yeah i'm gonna think it was 1905 what war was the u.s and you know i mean it's it, it you have to really hunt for the years the u.s is not doing something right i mean i'm sure we were doing like some sort of military intervention if not a war you know yeah i'm probably not thinking of something across central america um, right i mean like around them was like panama was just maybe? after panama and stuff like that yeah panama by the way panama was part of colombia until again u.s imperialism broke it off just for the sake of u.s control and the panama Good old teddy roosevelt baby. <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> where were we? unitary program no no we were inside section nine we were at uh it's heterogeneity geneity no we're, we were at this above all related to the fact that industry because of the shortage of raw materials oh yeah oh i thought we were on the next page yeah uh, Okay. This is above all related to the fact that industry, because of the shortage of raw materials, bases itself by preference on the labor force, specialized skilled workers. It is also related to the heterogeneity and conflicts of its interests, which weaken the ruling class. In the face of this heterogeneity, I hope we do not have to say that anymore. The proletariat appears as the only element which by its nature has a unifactory function capable of coordinating the whole of society. Its class program is the only unitary program, in other words, the only one whose implementation does not lead to a deepening of the conflicts between the various elements of the economy. Economy. What the fuck did I? You're questioning yourself so much. You've got economy. Oh my... Economy. Oh, economy. Okay. <laughs> I'm it's starting the vegetables. theory of it's political the economy. Economy. <laughs> Stop. Uh, end of society or to break in the unity of the state. 
alongside the industrial proletariat, there also exists a great mass of rural proletarians. Centered above all in the Po Valley, they are easily influenced by the workers in industry and hence easily mobilized for the struggle against capitalism in the state. Where's the Dolomites in Italy? Are those by the Alps? Um... Uh, so in Italy, there is a confirmation of the thesis that the most favorable conditions for the proletarian revolution do not necessarily always occur in those countries where capitalism and industrialism have reached the highest level of development, but may instead arise where the fabric of the capitalist system offers the least resistance because of the structural weakness to an attack by the revolutionary class and its allies. Yeah, the Dolomites are up by Austria. They'd be by the Alps. Okay. I was just wondering because I was like, man, like, What's the Po Valley? You know, like what mountains are in the south? Because I'm assuming that's in the south, right? No, po no, Valley. no. It's in the north. The Po Valley is in the north. Oh, is that by the Dolomites? Yeah, it's it. The nice. Look at me. I'm like Po Valley. I bet you that's by the Dolomites. That's yeah, hold on. Stupid. What a dumb way to know Italy. Let's see. Po Valley, Italy map. It's. Uh yeah, it's south of the Dolomites. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Look at me. I'm yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of a big valley that goes into the the eastern coast of Italy in the north. What can I say? I'm an Italian geography expert. <laughs> 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 so we'll end it there. Uh, yeah. Thank you all for listening. This is Mark's Madness. We read you books. <laughs> <laughs> there's a number of ways to get a hold of us and we have a link tree to help you yeah yeah there's a link tree and everybody can now say that part very simply mm -hmm. as it is link tree slash chunkaluta network yes all right oh marks madness isn't on there yet so uh oh. in order to get a hold of marks madness uh it's marks madness pod at gmail.com there's a marks madness discord link is in the marks madness bio and it is at marks madness pod at the on twitter yeah. on, on on twitter um where the or, bio, x. or x the artist formerly known as twitter or something like that i don't know um <laughs> this is disrespectful to prince well, yeah. the artist formerly known as prince yeah that's true that's <laughs> no no one should be compared to elon musk um that's <laughs> always insulting. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, on, on Twitter, X, whatever, the, the link is in the bio. Um, and uh, we are, I, I, I have set up a, a Mark's Madness TikTok. I just haven't uploaded anything or anything to it. So wait, is that because I saw one and I was like, huh? Yeah, I still got to do some some things on it because um, I had to get the pat. Nathan had initially made it, and I had to get the the, the password from him, and I've got to take some of his info off and stuff. Already upload onto it. That mm, way, I don't know if that's the one. one. Then no, I said we have a couple. Oh, we have a couple. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll need to at least get those on 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 ours. So yeah, I need to sit um, down a day this TikTok week. TikTok doesn't pay people anymore, so we're not mm. going to spend too much time on it. But we will be doing them. Yeah, you know just to fill up the Chunkaluta feed and then Mark's Madness will just gain content that way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you like a certain part, timestamp it and tell us. 
Yeah. And we'll make it into a, t- a TikTok when we have time. Yeah, we'll make it into a TikTok if we get uh, any kind of YouTube going at any point. That can be a short. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. That's, that's another thing is YouTube short. You'll probably see it as a YouTube short more likely yep. than anything. We have a Mark Spanis YouTube. Uh, no, but I can, I can whip one up. We Mark's Manispot at Gmail is already a Google account. It shouldn't be hard to make a YouTube. Yeah, right. right. I, I mean, unless some well, because like uh, there's the community YouTube, the Nuge, yeah. whatever. whatever. I don't know if I can. There's a there's a reading group on the Mark's Madness server, and they're like the the Republic of the Nuge or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know what that means, but. There you go. <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> ask them. Join the server and ask them. Otherwise, you can join, you know, the Patreon. Become mm-hmm. a monthly sustainer and help us pay editors to make those TikToks and, and uh, pay transcriptionists. So we have subtitles on those TikToks for accessibility. And uh, the website's coming out, so we need to pay hosting fees. Um, D- David pays the StreamYard fees, so... You know, if you, if enough people donate, David doesn't have. Well, maybe Nathan. Does, I don't know. Mark's Madness contributes money for the Streamyard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I need to give Nathan money for it this month, though. So that's a good reminder. Thank you. Well, I. Oh, okay. Because it's going through Nathan's bank account. It's going through Nathan's bank account, but we split it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. So the, you know, like a lot of it's coming out of pocket. How we fund the stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it is organizers contributing to the Patreon. So please contribute. You know, for one dollar, you can join the Chunkaluta Discord, and you can ask all the questions you want, and I have to answer you. But I'm pretty good about answering otherwise. Yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, I think that's all the plugs we need to do. These yeah, days. yeah, that's that it. has been um, streamlined. Fuck, that, that has been streamlined. So get out there, take action, and for any resources you need from us, it's in the link tree. And ask us for theory, because yes, you, you know, practice absolutely. The theory. Absolutely. Um, obviously, we, we recommend the most getting out there and taking action, um, doing anything in your party in any kind of reading group. We recommend the next most uh, uh, stuff from us. I can also point you to some different audiobooks and things if we need to. Like, I know there's a good YouTube account called Desaline that has a lot of good yeah. recordings of audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, there, you know, any other place like that, you know, if you need resources, we can we can point you out that too. So read out, reach out if you need anything. And the network's growing. So, you know, mm-hmm. once the website's up, you'll be able to see all of our connected resources and the fact that there's a million podcasts with great information just waiting to be listened to and deserve it. So, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, Prez, who, who didn't make it in the this minion. episode. The Minion. Yeah, exactly. So. And we talked about, oh, maybe we talked about before, but work stoppage, they're good too. <laughs> Upstream, decolonized Buffalo, they're all here. The gang's yep. all here. The gang's all, the gang's <laughs> all here. We're getting the gang back together. We're on a mission from God. Um, with, yeah, that, right. yeah. with that, this has been Mark's Madness Pod, part of Chunkaloot Network. We read books. My name is David. My name is Shomani too. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Oh,